Thanks for joining us. In this exciting episode of the podcast, we're going to discuss whether crypto is a 21st century version of the great tulip bulb bubble. My name is Christopher Joy, and I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Stephen Parker. We're both portfolio managers at Coolabar Capital. Please be sure to listen to the disclaimer at the end of this episode. Over to you, Steve. Thanks, Chris. Uh, it's interesting pondering the recent arc of Bitcoin. In December 2019, Bitcoin, a decentralized digital currency without a government guarantee, conventional bank backing, or demonstrated utility as a scalable medium of exchange, was trading around US $7,000. By late 2021, it had depreciated almost 10 times in value, trading at north of $67,000. And yet months later, Bitcoin had suddenly halved in value as a result of a sudden correction in US equities precipitated by concerns around central banks lifting interest rates off their zero lower bound. This has inflicted non-trivial losses on the droves of investors who rushed into the crypto craze over the last 12 to 18 months, including levered retail households, sophisticated institutional investors, such as pension or sovereign wealth funds, and even nation states like El Salvador, which gave Bitcoin legal tender status, but has since suffered questions around the country's creditworthiness and ability to service its debts as crypto plummets in value. Yeah, that's right, Steve. For several years, we refused to offer an opinion on crypto. It was not something that was core to financial markets or the financial system. When repeatedly asked for a view, I would simply respond that it was not our area of expertise. Nonetheless, we know many highly intelligent individuals, whom I respect a great deal, that are fervent promoters of the crypto and decentralized or DeFi finance thematics. Uh, yes, Chris, uh, our instincts on crypto and DeFi were initially not positive for a number of reasons. Uh, the history of financial crises teaches us several lessons that call into question the prospective durability of both crypto and DeFi. First, government guaranteed cash is very hard to beat as a store of wealth, especially during an inflation shock when short-term interest rates soar. Call that the Fed's cash rate was almost 10% in 1990, crushing most risk asset classes. Second, scalable and trusted mediums of exchange normally require regulation and government guarantees, sovereign backing, if you like, and need to be intermediated by the government-backed banking system. Third, non-bank entities outside of the banking system frequently fail during large shocks or recessions when they cannot rely on central bank liquidity and government guarantees to bail them out, as banks can. And finally, financial markets and the financial system are highly networked scale economies that, just like the internet, strongly favour a small number of winners, monopolists and oligopolists, in each vertical. For example, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Which leaves a large number of losers. Consider the graveyard, if you like, of failed internet startups from the 1990s and 2000s. This is true globally of banking systems, which typically have a handful of concentrated oligopolists dominating in each country, which tend to scoop up failed non-bank rivals during big crises. Consider all of the non-banks bought by or merged into traditional banks during and after the GFC. Yeah, Steve, I think those points are well made. Now let's reflect on why crypto surged in value following the one in 100 year pandemic and why it has more recently been subject to massive circa 50% drawdowns. A key question is whether this tells us anything about the long-term prospects for the asset class. It certainly appears reasonable to infer that several extreme policy responses to the pandemic drove enormous interest in and demand for crypto. Don't you think, Steve? 
Uh, yes, Chris. The, uh, the first policy response involved central banks slashing their interest rates to 0%. Banks soon followed suit with the interest rates on their cash deposits. This immediately undermined the value of conventional government-guaranteed and bank-backed cash as a store of wealth. Retail and institutional investors faced the significant challenge of generating positive returns on highly liquid and safe cash investments when interest rates were at or near zero. Since you earned next to nothing on cash, the opportunity cost of switching into new alternatives like crypto appeared to be modest, especially given the positive price action. Over 2020, shifting out of conventional cash into crypto became an increasingly attractive option for many open-minded investors. A positive feedback loop emerged as Bitcoin and crypto generally started to experience exponential price growth by late 2020, reinforcing the perception that these alternatives to conventional currencies were viable stores of wealth, or quote-unquote digital gold, as some describe Bitcoin. This also fostered a TINA, there is no alternative, dynamic, reinforced by central banks actively encouraging consumers to go out and spend their cash savings on riskier assets in the name of supporting the economic recovery. The entire point of monetary policy, crushing the risk-free rate to zero, was to incentivize borrowing, investment, speculation, and animal spirits. Agreed, Stephen. Demand for crypto was further powered by several other policy dynamics. Alongside zero interest rates, governments have run some of the largest fiscal deficits in history, dropping unprecedented amounts of cash into the hands of households and companies. I agree. Notwithstanding initial concerns that the pandemic would precipitate a depression and possibly deflation, the public policy response left households with record savings rates. Concurrently, communities were placed in lockdown, making it very hard to go out and spend this money. With untapped piles of cash and a lot of time on their hands, it seemed that many consumers started experimenting with investing in the stock market, lubricated by the recent advent of zero commission brokerages. For example, Robinhood is the most famous of these, and allocating to cryptocurrencies. The extraordinary performance of both asset classes over the courses of 2020 and 21 left these new inductees to stocks and crypto with a very positive initial experience. Those who had not yet taken the leap, such as myself, were further motivated to do so by the stunning returns and emergence of a clear FOMO, or fear of missing out, influence. Equities and crypto increasingly felt like one-way bets, especially when central banks always had the markets back. That is to say, investors could rely on the so-called Greenspan, Bernanke, Powell put option to bail them out if markets ever crashed, as had been the case in 2001, in 2008, in 2019, and latest in 2020. Yeah, I think that's right, Steve. And don't you think that another tailwind for crypto has been fears that the unprecedented policy stimulus, including record money printing by central banks, would result in a fierce inflation cycle that would undermine the value of conventional currency and cash? Uh, yes, absolutely, Chris. These fears are certainly playing out right now with incredible inflation and wage growth in both the US and most other developed economies. Core inflation in the US is running somewhere between 47 to 5.5%, depending on how you measure it, uh, while this has been boosted by supply-side blockages attributable to the pandemic, it is now being amplified by demand-side pressures from extremely strong wage growth that reflects ultra-tight labor market. The global economy is, if you like, in the groups of both demand pull and cost push inflation. Yeah, and I think that crypto has generally been sold to investors 
on the basis of several core value propositions. The first is the idea that crypto is a viable store of wealth outside of centralized governments. The second has been the pitch that crypto will be a powerful inflation hedge in a world awash with money printing. And a third angle has been that crypto will serve as a tractable medium of exchange. Alongside crypto, decentralized finance or DeFi has been pitched on the basis that it offers an alternative to the centralized banking system, much like non-bank securitizers have in the past. Yet there are some reasonable questions one can ask in respect of the integrity of each of these ideas. Agreed, Chris. And the first challenge crypto faces is that it is a non-income producing asset in contrast to equities, bonds, cash deposits, and property that has its value determined solely by its efficacy as a store of wealth and a medium of exchange. And in contrast to precious metals like gold, Bitcoin has no other practical utility. Examples like jewelry, medicine, electronics, central bank reserves. Yes, you can just make money lending against crypto, but that's just another credit investment with the associated default loss and liquidity risks. The next concern with crypto is it is not a stable store of wealth. Bitcoin is almost six times more volatile than US equities and 18 times more volatile than the US dollar. Compare this to the change in value of risk-free bank deposits or cash investments, which have zero volatility since they are held at par, i.e. not marked to market. For as long as Bitcoin has been soaring in value given zero cash interest rates and huge fiscal injections of money onto household balance sheets, the upside volatility was tolerable. But the downside risk has recently come home to roost. Depending on your timing, you could be facing losses of 40 to 50% over the past year. And since widespread worries about persistent rather than transitory inflation emerge in late 2021, coupled with the expectation of much higher interest rates on cash, the value of Bitcoin has declined precipitously. Indeed, Steve. And to compound these concerns, Bitcoin and other correlated cryptocurrencies appear to be trading not as inflation hedges, but rather as simple equity proxies. In the last year, the correlation between Bitcoin and US equities jumped way north of 50%. In big risk-off moves, such as the savage recent US equity market correction, the correlation appears to be almost perfect. Yeah, and since the equity losses have been triggered by fears of higher interest rates to quell inflation, Bitcoin has been behaving as an inflation risk amplifier rather than a mitigant. When positive interest rates finally do arrive on risk-free cash deposits, this will significantly increase the opportunity cost of switching into crypto, undermining its demand. This demand will have also been materially dented by investor experience with the recent downside risk. Yeah, Stephen, many investors claim that a potential saving grace in respect of crypto risk is diversification. And by that, I mean they feel protected because they hold a range of other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, we find that Bitcoin and other digital currencies are proving to be highly correlated with both equities and themselves. For example, Bitcoin and Ethereum are on average between 75 and 85% correlated right now. Put differently, loading up on crypto appears to be just another form of equity-related risk. Uh, Absolutely. I, I have to say, Chris, for all the hope and promise of crypto acting as a viable medium of exchange, we have yet to see its widespread take up. To this day, we rely almost exclusively on electronic cash protected by the government-guaranteed banking and payment system and the associated credit card oligopoly. Pioneering countries like El Salvador that adopted Bitcoin as legal tender have run into financial problems as a direct consequence, which will likely deter others. 
and slowly but surely nation states are predictably moving to crush unregulated crypto threats to their own currencies and payments and banking systems, often on the basis of claims that crypto is being used by criminals and terrorists as an anonymized medium of exchange. Uh, for example, China banned crypto in 2021, and Russia is now proposing to follow suit. Fortune magazine comments that China made big headlines when it banned crypto last year, but it is only one of dozens of countries and jurisdictions that have either banned cryptocurrencies outright or severely restricted it over the past few years. Egypt, Iraq, Qatar, Amman, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Bangladesh, and China have all banned cryptocurrency. 42 other countries, including Algeria, Bahrain, and Bolivia, have implicitly banned digital currencies by putting restrictions on the ability for banks to deal with crypto or prohibiting cryptocurrency exchanges, according to a 2021 summary report by the Law Library of Congress published in November. The number of countries and jurisdictions that have banned crypto, either completely or implicitly, has more than doubled since 2018 when the organization first published a report on the subject. Some governments that have banned crypto have said that cryptocurrencies are being used to funnel money to illegal sources and argued that the rise of crypto could destabilize their financial systems. Although not all governments are moving to ban crypto, many are looking at how to regulate the digital currency, including the US. Thanks, Steve. In summary, from our vantage, it's pretty clear that crypto is not a stable source of wealth outside of centralized governments. It might be a viable store of wealth, but it's also immensely volatile with enormous downside risks, as evidenced by the circa 50% losses that investors have had to recently wear. It's also not clear to us at all that crypto is an inflation hedge, as interest rates have started rising on the back of inflation fears driven by the highest wages and core inflation prints that we've seen in decades, crypto has plummeted in value in lockstep with the precipitous price falls suffered by equities. Right now, crypto is trading like a pure equity risk proxy. Thirdly, there don't seem to be significant diversification benefits across cryptocurrencies since they all appear to be highly correlated with one another. Finally, we don't see crypto serving as a scalable medium of exchange. The primary use case for crypto right now appears to be speculating on other cryptocurrencies or lending to investors who themselves are speculating on cryptocurrencies. Another obvious use case right now for crypto is commonly for trading non-fungible tokens or NFTs or digital imagery, which has limited real-world applicability for those who don't live in the multiverse. Put differently, crypto currently displays all the hallmarks of a Ponzi scheme or a multi-level marketing scam that relies crucially on the greater full theory. Recent buys of crypto, much of the market capitalization of crypto today, sadly their experience is unlikely to have been a positive one. Thanks to Steve for contributing to today's episode, and we hope you've enjoyed our discussion on whether crypto is a 21st century version of the great tulip bulb bubble. Our current view is that that is not an unreasonable proposition to make. This podcast does not provide financial advice. It is not an invitation to invest in any financial product and the information in it should not be relied on for any decisions. All views expressed represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or a recommendation and should not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit the moneysmart.gov.au website to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.